Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. And uh, this is another week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today, the show is very unique. Um, I get to sit down with the founder and owner of Riddles Brood Touring Theater Company. Now, while getting prepared for today's show, I did uh, some quick research, like I like to do. I, I like to be informed about my subject matter. I found out that the very first theater, theater show dates back to the Middle Ages. Now, I've been to a few of these things, and I can vouch for you that there are loads of entertainment. So if you haven't checked one out, I highly recommend that you go uh, participate in one of these um, events. My guest today, Clyde Riddlesbrood, um, heads the Riddlesbrood Theater, and he is here today to share his life in the business and much, much more. So I'm thanking Clyde in advance for his time today and extend him a big welcome. So, Clyde, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thank you very much, Lana. I really appreciate the uh, time you give me today. Oh, back in return to you. I appreciate your time uh, in return. Now, before we get started, um, I, wanted, I was talking to some friends uh, getting prepared for today's show. And one of my friends, when I told him it was dinner theater and everything, he was like, well, what, what is that? What does that all entail? So before we get started, kind of explain to the audience, you know, what actually is theater, uh, dinner theater and, and what does it all encompass? Sure. Well, certainly uh, a lot of people probably when they think of theater – they might think of, you know, back in high school, you know, when they got roped into being in a show or or, you know, adversely, they may imagine going into the city to a big theater and seeing, uh, you know, a large production like a Broadway show. What dinner theater is, is it's theater on a slightly smaller scale. And it's also bringing theater in a way to the masses. Okay. So if you're out in the suburbs. You know, you might not want to go into the city and deal with the traffic and deal with the parking. And you, you want to see a theater show. Uh, you want to have that experience. And dinner theater brings that to you. So we do the murder mysteries and the dinner theater shows at local restaurants and banquet facilities and clubhouses and uh, all kinds of different venues where people live every day. So the main thing is, is that the entertainment is where people are, usually in the suburbs. Uh, where they usually are. The other thing is, is it's far more comical and also interactive. So, whereas a normal show, you know, you're expected to sit there in that big red chair and just kind of relax <laughs> and, you know, appreciate the artists. Well, it's a little bit different with dinner theater. You know, the actors can hear you and see you and often will jump off the stage and grab you. And, you know, so they'll really get you involved uh so it's it's a lot of audience participation the actors are going to walk up to you you know and say how you doing there pal nice to see you, <laughs> you know? so it's it's very uh very personal very intimate so it's it's different than a normal show it's not like a movie uh the actors are right there with you right next to you so generally it's like because uh, i know there's the the meal element the dinner element and then there's a theater part so generally is this like a hour to hour process Usually, you're right. It's a whole night out. So usually these types of situations would involve, say, uh, a guest coming to a restaurant, maybe having a cocktail hour, then sitting at their table, ordering their dinner. And then once everybody gets their meals, the show begins. So the house lights will dim a little bit. The stage lights will turn on. And then the actors will come out and do their show. Our shows are about an hour and 15 minutes uh, contiguously. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes the show is broken up in between courses of their meal, which is also, you know, very fun and it makes great time. Uh, okay. Normal, these events, I would say, last about two hours, two and a half hours tops. Okay. Now, the, the ones that I have uh, went to before in the past have been the murder mysteries, but uh, listening to you talk, that's not the only kind or style of uh, dinner theater that there is? Well, you know, it's important to kind of realize that the term murder mystery and dinner theaters are really just that. They're terms. The okay. reality is there's not a whole lot of difference between dinner theater and murder mystery. 
The only difference is, is the show with a murder mystery, usually somebody gets bumped off. (laughs) You know, and the audience is expected to take clues and write down the different, um, you know, motivations or weapon or opportunity. And then at the very end of the show, we pass out little clue sheets and the audience gets to decide who they think the culprit was and then whoever wins gets a prize. But the reality is, is um, logistically, it's pretty much the same. People are coming, they're eating their food, and then they're watching a fun theater show. Okay, awesome. Now, you um, said in your write-up that you started out in uh, dinner theater at a very young age, and I'm kind of picturing that. You know, you're working with your father. What does a little tyke actually do in dinner theater at an early age? Well, you know, I was in all those shows that a lot of kids get roped into. I was in Music Man and Oliver and all those kind of things. Um, but uh, I really started to get more into it. Uh, also, my mother was also a, a musician as well, and she was in a, a top 40 band. So okay. I spent a lot of years when I was a kid, you know, at 2 in the morning, sitting in a booth at the back of a restaurant waiting for her to finish her set so we could go home. <laughs> Uh, you know, so so I kind of grew up in the lifestyle that way. But uh, okay. my father uh, started a dinner theater uh, down in Cape May, um, and it was around maybe 1999. So I worked there. I was a teenager then. So I worked there for a while until I um, eventually got out of high school. So that I did a lot of that kind of stuff when I was younger. So does that go over well with the high school ladies and stuff like, hey, you know, I, I kind of run a the dinner theater with my dad. I mean, does that make you like the popular kid or was it kind of like, uh, oh, you know, he's the geek that does this dinner theater thing? You know what? I have to be a little honest. I don't <laughs> think it really got me a lot of dates back in high school. <laughs> you know, it didn't really work. Uh, the only thing I would say is at the time it kind of helped me get into the you know, the theater club at school, because while they were doing shows, I was able to go home and get paid to do a show. Uh, so it, it kind of put me a little bit ahead of those folks. Um, but, you know, I don't know about uh, from a romance point of view. I don't know. It was it was a big help. <laughs> OK. OK. So how long did you you uh, you stayed working with your dad all the way through high school and after or? No. Yeah, I actually, uh, well, I got out of high school and then I joined the military. Actually, I was in the military okay. for four and a half years. And when I got out, I got back and I was going to college. And while I was in college from 95 till about 2000, I worked at, uh, at his theater. And, um, so about for five years, so I was an actor pretty much full time. I also directed occasionally, wrote some shows. Um, and then I decided to start my own theater company in 2000, which is Riddlesbrood Touring Theater Company. And uh, it's been an uphill climb ever since. Okay, okay. So what what made you, you know, have that moment and say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do this myself and, and open up my own touring company? Well, I think, you know, at that time, uh, I, I actually, you know, I had some disagreements with my dad, you know, as uh. anybody, uh, <laughs> you know, so I wanted to go in one direction. He wanted to go in another uh, so, so that was part okay. of it. And also, I kind of wanted to be able to do my own thing. I didn't want to, you know, there was a limit to how far I could go there. You know, I was never okay. going to be able to, to do everything I wanted. I, I was always going to be second fiddle. So okay. that's one reason. Um, however, as time went on, I mean, he's, he actually, that, that theater company no longer exists. And he actually works with me now. So he, he actually <laughs> is involved in our thing, theater. So. And he gives you no problems, right? He does exactly uh, what you want. Sure. He gives me <laughs> no problem at all. Yeah, you're not doing it right, son. Let me show you how to do it. But you know what? I could always turn back and say, wait a minute. Remember when you used to tell me that? Uh, it's funny how the rules don't apply when it's the other way around. But uh, at the end of the day, he basically does whatever he wants. So I, you know, there's not, not much that I can really do about it. So what, what does dad do for you in your touring company? What is his role? Well, he's, he's kind of like the guru that, you know, so, so he kind of sits back and gives advice. Okay. A lot of times, but the other he he occasionally does a show here and there, and uh, you know he's very funny. He's very talented. He knows how to work an audience really good. And um, but you know he does have some health problems, so he can't be out there, uh, you know, working the crowd like he used to back in the day. But but he certainly does help out in the background. He helps us work on sets. You know, he he, he loves to paint sets and work on props, and um, so he does a lot of the backstage stuff too. 
Okay, awesome. So now you guys are all, you know, classified as entertainers, these people that put on these productions, uh, but it's very different than the entertainer quote that we see like on the big screen or, you know, on TV. So what are the different skill sets that is are required to do dinner theater versus, you know, maybe like the big screen stuff? Well, you know, I must admit I don't have a lot of experience doing big screen stuff. Uh, I wish <laughs> I did. Uh, but what I will say is uh, the word entertainer is actually very accurate because a lot of times it's, it's actually bad to use the word actor in some ways. And the reason is is because we really are more like entertainers than, say, what people might imagine, you know, an actor, you know, someone who's <laughs> a dramaturg or someone who's a thespian. You know, this the, the stuff that we do is much less about being a, in your character, much more being a caricature. So a lot of the characters that we do are zany, wild, much more like Ace Ventura Pet Detective. You know, like okay. Jim Carrey is far closer to what we do than anything, you know, like Anthony Hopkins, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we are trying to constantly get laughs, constantly get audience interaction. So, you know, the, to be an actor with our troupe, you really need to have a big personality, kind of a big ego – you know, you kind of need to be not – you can't be afraid of the audience. you you got to be able to get right up in front of somebody and, and you know, you have to attack the audience. Okay. And not everybody's good at that. You know, some people, they, they're just not built for that type of thing. Um, uh, but, but a lot of the people that we have, you know, they're real hustlers out there. They're real joke mongers, you know. Okay. So do you think, uh, listening to you talk, do you think it's easier for the transition to go from entertainer to actor or actor to entertainer? You know what? Uh, this is probably not going to sound like the most, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you'd say liberal point of view, but the reality is, is it is kind of one of those things that you either have it or you don't. Okay. Like there are certain, you know how like there are certain people that are very gregarious and okay. are able to you know, just stand there and riff and make people laugh and are just naturally funny. And there's other people that are just quiet and shy and reserved. Um, so, so there is kind of an, an element where you, you do have to have one of those personalities. And I've had people before that come in and, you know, they got their master's degree in the arts and theater and, you know, they've done, you know, a streetcar named Desire to great <laughs> praise. But at the end of the day, the waiter that just jumped in for a show last week is actually ten times better than them. Okay. So it, it's just one of those things where you're you're either you either have that furnace of talent burning within you, or you or you don't. Um, and the screen doesn't require that because you know you can take a million cuts, and sure. you know it can zoom in on you. So you don't need to be powerful the same way on on film that you do on stage. So you have a lot of people with big personalities in your touring company. Big personalities, <laughs> wild. Per they're all crazy people. I mean, the people <laughs> that are involved in the, the, you know, you have to be a psychiatrist just to manage a theater company because, <laughs> you know, you're dealing with people that are really, really talented, but then they have other, you know, problems. You know, they, they don't. You know, they have other issues. They they have a hard time getting through with things that most people would find easy. But um. <laughs> but 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 that's just the way it is, and uh, you, you'd probably find that with painters and singers, and you know, if you didn't have a big ego, you probably wouldn't even be able to do these things. Okay, okay. So, uh, wait, hold on a second. I was looking at the time before I asked my next question. Uh, Clyde, uh, Clyde, hold on for me. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and today I'm spending some time with the founder and owner of Riddlesbrook Touring Theater Company, uh, Mr. Clyde Riddlesbrook. Now, before the break, you were telling us the type of people that are good at being entertainers in a touring company, you know, they have these big personalities and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm just wondering for you and your touring company, how is it that you come about your talent or or how would somebody say, you know, Clyde, I really want to work with you? Or do you have auditions or, you know, how, where do these, these crazy people come from? 
Well, I would say auditions are probably the primary place. Okay. Um, we do have several auditions a year. Uh, we also occasionally will do a private audition if somebody, you know, you know, emails and they're really interested and, and we have time and, and we have space, then we'll do, we'll do that. But besides that, we also do some larger, uh, community theater productions where the cast is, instead of four or five people, is more like 60 people. So hmm. for those larger productions that we do, we'll often get really big auditions and, and often sometimes the best actors that we find in the community program can can make it into the tour. So okay. so the tour goes on all year. It never ends. I mean we have shows this weekend. We have three three shows this weekend. But the other shows, the larger ones, only happen twice a year, usually one in the spring and one in the fall. I listen to you talk and I'm, I'm the talent that is in your show, these people with these very, you know, improv, big personalities, and then you have the complexities of the audience that are sitting there watching. It seems to me that it's like a breeding ground for anything and everything to possibly happen. Uh, what are some comical situations that have happened to you over the years? Because um, I'm pretty sure not every show goes on as you guys have rehearsed it to be. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> I mean, there are, you know, I can sit here and tell you stories. And every year we actually sit around, uh, you know, at the Christmas party and talk about all the crazy stories. But, uh, you know, a couple of things coming to mind. Uh, you know, we had one situation where we were doing a production of Robin Hood. And one of the actors' tensions were running high, and one of the actors decided to wear this crazy mask <laughs> and uh, was basically kind of being rather irreverent of the process and not really acting very professional. Well, the director freaked out, screamed, grabbed the mask, took it away, and said, I'm not giving this back to you uh, until after the rehearsal. And the guy screams, and almost a fist fight breaks out, and all the parents run with their kids out. So, you know... <laughs> This is an example of crazy people that you you work with in, in theater. Um, we've had, you know, <laughs> lots of situations where, you know, we showed up to do a show and somebody got stuck in traffic. We had to do a show with two people. Oh, wow. Um, you know, we, we showed up one time and one of our competitors, another theater company, showed up to do the same show. Like the client <laughs> double booked two entertainers to do you know, so we actually had to fight the other theater company to get out so we would do the show. <laughs> Coincidentally, we won that one. Awesome. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, this is definitely, you know, it, it is kind of like putting nitroglycerin and a little bit of TNT and then maybe a nuclear warhead together and then, you know, kind of smacking them around and see what happens because that's where a lot of the creativity comes from because you get people that are so different and so wild. But the more shows you do with them, you really get their timing. You know, you get the chemistry that people talk about, and that's when you really start to have fun out there because a lot of our shows are very improvisational, so you really need to know what that actor is going to do or, you know, how are they going to be funny? Are they going to say something witty or are they going to roll around on the ground like a dog? You know, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, but but that's kind of the kind of chemistry that really creates an explosive, fun environment for an audience. Is there ever that, that guest in the audience who's like, no, I'm not going to participate or, the, you know, I've seen there with their arms crossed and I've seen this before. So spoiler alert, you know, so-and-so did it or whatever. Is there, is there ever that difficult person in the audience? Uh, well, there's always some hecklers. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, hecklers aren't all bad. Sometimes we call them the sacrifice. Okay. Because for everyone to have fun, sometimes you have to pick that one person out and say, this one, we're going to mess with. <laughs> with this guy you know and uh it sounds nefarious but, but it's really good intention so so somebody that dares to come to a show wearing a plaid suit jacket or something like that you know <laughs> they know they're going to get played with they know they're going to get messed with uh as far as hecklers usually they don't bother you too much because you know the actor's thinking is kind of like 10 times the speed of a normal audience person so gotcha. you know they might say one funny thing but then when you walk in front of them and, and you can say joke, joke, bit, bit, funny comment, <laughs> funny comment, insult, they stop because they, they can't go that fast. So usually you don't get that too much unless people are really drunk and really crazy, but not too much really. You, you learn to handle that kind of a crowd. Awesome. Okay. So let me talk about uh, the name of your touring company because it's very unique. 
Clyde Riddlesbrook. Like, where did that come from? How did that come to be? Well, it's quite an interesting story, to be quite honest. Um, it actually begins um, a long time ago. It actually has a, a little bit to do with a supernatural experience that I had when I was younger. Okay. Um, you know, I have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons or oh, yes. role playing uh-huh. games and all that stuff? Well, yes. well, when I was a kid, me and my friends and my brothers got together and we used to play many different role playing games, and we all had our own worlds, you know, that we had created. And uh, when I played in one of my friend's games, we played in his world. And when they played in my world, you know, they, they I was the quote-unquote dungeon master, you know, as they say. Uh, so when we created these whole worlds, and when I started the theater company years later, I decided, you know what, um, rather than come up with something new, I, I, was, I used the entire – uh, for lack of a better word, the entire little world that I had created for our role-playing games, and I made it as if it was mythologically true. So, so the idea is this is the theater company that was from this fictional universe. And um, not everybody's going to get that, but that's okay. The idea is, is that it kind of comes from fantasy. You know, If you can imagine something that doesn't exist, uh, make it real. And that's I think one of the founding principles of our theater is the idea that if you can imagine it, then you can create it. And that's kind of what we try to be. We try to be inspirational creators, not only on stage, but uh, in everything we do. Okay, awesome. So with the name and with the touring company, uh, there's also a book component to all of this as well, correct? There most certainly is. We we wrote a book. It's called The Greatest Brochure in the World. And if you've ever wanted to read a brochure, uh, <laughs> you definitely want to read this one. It's very interesting. It tells the story of of a very mythical journey. Uh, I, I can't get into it too much because it's so cool and so amazing that really you have to read it uh, to get an idea about what it means. It's It's kind of like a fantasy, even a little bit of a gothic horror feel to okay. it. Uh, so I would definitely recommend somebody to go take a look at it. You can find it on Amazon. You can also find it on our website. And if you come to one of our shows, you might even win it as a prize. Awesome, awesome. So it is out now because I think I was on the website before and it was like to be expected, but it's currently out now? Oh, yeah, it is. It is out. Yeah, every once in a while on Amazon, uh, you know, if you have your book and if you ever make an edit, it all it automatically takes a couple days before it goes live again. So okay. every once in a while that happens if you make an edit. Okay. Now, listening to you talk and, you know, talking about how you started and now your dad's working with you, it's very apparent that you've been in this for a very, very long time. So I want to know, like, dinner theater, uh, when you first started out versus today, what changes, evolution have you seen? Well, um, things that I've seen different. Hmm. I would say part of it is, is maybe the, the manner in which it's conducted. When I was younger, there were more dinner theaters, standalone buildings that their business was a dinner theater. So, you know, if you want, just like you wanted to go see a movie, you'd actually go to a dinner theater and you could see a show and eat dinner. Uh, over the years, certainly since the 90s, they have really disappeared. There, there's, mm-hmm. there's almost none left. Um, and the ones that are are few and far between and uh, they, they're having problems. So that business model of having a standalone dinner theater really has perished over the years. But what we have seen is, um, in our case, we're a touring theater company. So we move around and do our shows no longer at theaters, per se, uh, but mostly restaurants, bank facilities, uh, clubhouses, bars, pretty much any, any place like that. So in, in some ways, it's actually better because, okay. you know, you do a lot more shows – because you can – I mean we do stuff in New York. We do stuff in New Jersey, PA, Delaware, all over. Oh. So if you were just in one little town, you know, you're pretty much restricted to people that could drive there. But now we can – we open ourselves up to anybody over a wide geographical area. Large audience. Now, that's, a big, that's a big thing. Now, I'm curious. Listen, are there many touring companies in the United States or no? You know what? Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot, and, and the ones that are are very, very different. Uh, there are murder mystery companies, which is kind of, I guess, what we'd be classed as if you want to look at it that way. There are a few. There are a few different murder mystery companies. Most of them are very, very local. 
and most of them are what you what we would call hobby companies and that's a i mean we do about 125 to 150 shows a year and most of our people do this full time but there are some companies out there that might do you know a show every couple months okay. and so that would be more like a hobby company and they're not really competition because they don't you know they don't exist much, okay. but there are some national companies. But usually they're doing larger shows. So there might be a, a bus and truck company that's you know going to go and do Shrek the musical, and they're going to tour it all around the East Coast. So those are those are a little larger scale than we are. Okay. Um, but we do are, we are different because we don't just do murder mysteries. We also do game shows. We do okay. lots of different things, and also some very large productions. We're doing Frankenstein this year in uh, October, and that's a cast of 65 people with a full set that's on a full stage that seats 1,000 people. So, you know, we do do those larger productions as well. Okay. So you're, you're located Upper East Coast, um, and I, you mentioned earlier that you showed up one time and there was another touring company there. Just in your <laughs> market, just in your market, are there, uh, do you have a lot of competition or no? Not a great deal. Uh, it's very difficult to run an operation like this. Uh, you know, it, it tends to be uh, – it's just difficult. It takes a long time to get started, and I think it's probably harder to do it today than it was when we started. I mean, this is our 16th year, and when I started in 2000, um, I had the benefit of being very experienced because I would worked at my dad's company and also some other companies. Starting today, it's very hard. Restaurants don't hire as much. Uh, so you really need to to be very, very active in your advertising campaign. You have to spend really 98% of your time selling and only 2% of your time actually doing entertainment. And uh, it's an unfortunate reality, but uh, if you're a theater company, you're spending most of your time promoting yourself. Oh, wow. Which wow. is also why I'm on here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lana. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Clyde, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be more with more right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. So I'm Lana Reed, and today my guest is Mr. Clyde Riddlesbrute. He is the founder and owner of Riddlesbrute Touring Theater Company. Now, Clyde, uh, you said that you learned the ins and outs of touring theater from working with your father. I don't know if there's a... a son or daughter out there, you know, floating around that is now learning the business from you. But let's just say um, you had a young person, you know, come to you and say, you know, Clyde, I think this is really something I want to do. W- what does it take to really start uh, your own touring theater? Well, I would begin by saying I do have a little one. His name is Jerry. <laughs> and he's six years old, and uh, he's uh, my little buddy, and uh, and he has been in some shows. He's awesome. <laughs> ever, awesome. Ever since he was one year old, he was uh, you know uh, up there occasionally being carried on as a prop. You know, awesome. that's the good thing about children; you can use them as props, and you don't have to pay them, which is <laughs> even great. Right. You know. You know? You know, I'm I'm just letting him follow in the footsteps that I had to because my mom would bring me up there. So um, anyway, it just comes with the territory. But if you are uh, someone younger and you're looking at getting into the business as an actor, is that what you mean? Yes. Or even, well, you know, you might want to, you know, I've, I've worked with Clyde for like, the, you know, let's say you're going to do a Clyde move there. Like I've worked with Clyde for like five years. You know what? I think I can do this on my own. Like what really, what does that mean? Do you, I mean, we talked earlier before the break about advertising. So we know we need to get advertising. I'm assuming somewhere along the way we've got to find some crazy people with big personalities. But how do you, how do you package it all together? Well, I would say the very first thing, well, if you're like a a young entrepreneur or maybe even older entrepreneur and you really want to create your own um, theater company, I I would say the very first thing that you have to understand is, you know, and this is something that is very confusing to some artists out there, is that, you know, it's one thing to be an actor or one thing to be a writer or an artist, if you want to say that. And it's another thing to be a business person. And, you know, you can, and this is something that my dad used to tell me, he says, you know, you can go into a cave and paint the most beautiful painting that human eyes have ever had the privilege to behold. Uh, and that's great. You, you're an artist now. You know, you painted this. 
The problem is, is if you want to start charging people to come into the cave so that they can look at that painting, now you're a business person. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is you need to shed this concept that I'm an artist and I should, I guess, I should be entitled to an existence, you know. I should be able to live off that because the reality is, is this just not the case? Uh, you know, you have to. It's you know, you have to be passionate about what you're creating. You have to be passionate about your art and you know, the shows that you're writing. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you are creating something that you want to sell. You want to package the other people will want to see it. So you have to be a little bit willing to serve the public not serve your own ego and that is something that is difficult for some people because they may say you know what I'm passionate about you know something you know let's just say I'm passionate about AIDS awareness and I want people to know how terrible it is and how people suffer That's that could be exceedingly noble but you know what nobody's going to buy that for their private party so you know you know you you can be passionate about things but you know you need to first serve your audience and you have to be thinking what do these folks want to see and you know maybe do your other thing on the side and okay. and, and even i have to do that sometimes there's things that i'm really interested in that nobody except weirdos are interested in and, and <laughs> i do that on the side right i do that i do that for me but for the most part we do shows that i think the vast majority want, you know. Okay. Uh, so that's that's that part. Uh, the other thing I would say is if you're going to be a new, if you're trying to start your own theater, or your own band, or anything like that, is you you got to learn how to become a salesperson because that's if you're not going to sell what you're passionate about, nobody in the world is going to do that. No, you know. So so you have to be a great salesperson. You know that it's just that simple. I think a lot of creative people struggle with that. They have the passion for their gifts, but that salesperson part, you know, uh, that's where you find that they kind of stumble and fall on. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, this person who's like, yeah, I want to do this, but maybe I need to get a sidekick, you know, they're riding in the car with me, you know, that might be, have, you know, has the salesperson skill set because it's not just. Right. If you can't do it yourself, you got to find somebody who can. But the other thing to realize too is actually actors make the best salespeople. I mean, you know, when I haven't been working as an actor, I usually work as a salesperson because, oh. you know, if, right, because if you have the ability to transfer emotion, you know, onto a, an audience of a thousand, how much easier it is to transfer to one. So, <laughs> right, so, so usually actors have a great advantage when it comes to salespeople because they already have those tools uh, of communication. So especially doing, you know, things like standing in front of the Chamber of Commerce and trying to pitch a deal or, awesome. or going in front of another company and trying to pitch a sales pitch and say, hey, hire us for this. You know, so actors actually have a natural advantage, but they have to want it. You know, they have to really want what they want. And if they don't want it that bad and they're not willing to pay the price, then they're not going to get it. <laughs> now I'm listening to you talk so I'm, I'm hearing that you spend time writing your productions and then we know we have rehearsals for them then I think I heard you say you do 150 of these about per year um, is there downtime or is this like a constant constant you know grind for you uh, it's pretty constant in that usually we got one or two shows a week okay. uh, the summer is a little quieter uh, we don't do as quite as much in the middle of the summer uh, but we use that time effectively. That's usually when we're working on sets. That's usually when we're building things, building props, building costumes. We might also do some promotional events. Uh, so we do a lot of promotional events too. We go to like, you know, car shows and, you know, tourist traps and we set up a tent. And we do like a little street, uh, sketch. So we do a lot of promotional events too. But the fall is really the, the juiciest time. I mean, like in December, I think our last, uh, December, we had like over 40 shows that oh, wow. month. So more than one a day, we we can actually do up the three shows simultaneously, uh, and we split the cast. So we'll have one van going to Atlantic City, one going to New York, and one going to you know Lancaster. So <laughs> it, we go we're all over the place, you know. So sometimes your productions are sixty people, sometimes they're smaller things. So there's there's not people who are consistently all year long on payroll. 
Actually, there are. There, we have about, I would say, we call them the active troop members, troopers or whatever. And uh, they do the vast majority of the show. So I would say there's about nine people who do 90% of the shows. And then we have some understudies and some other folks that, you know, are only available maybe in the fall. And, you know, we do have some actors, too, that, you know, they might have a day job, but they really love doing this every once in a while. Uh, but they just can't do it all the time. You know, they just don't have the availability. But but we have a lot of those actors, uh, too, that um, some are lawyers, some are, you know, workers, wow. CEOs of companies. Get out. Wow. But they really love that jolt. Yeah, they love that jolt of being able to get out there in front of an audience. And um, and there's a real camaraderie, usually, that comes with that. It's, uh, it's like going into battle together. You know, you go through some of these shows and, you know, you have a shared experience that um, is difficult to get in most other ways. Okay. Now, for you, um, these sets that you have, I'm, I'm, you know, they have to be put up, break down, put up, break down, and then you mentioned the costumes. Is that like double duty for the actors, or do you have a designated person that that's all that they do is build these sets and build and make these costumes? Well, quite frankly, some of the actors do have those other traits. So we have some okay. actors that are also welders and, you know, carpenters. And that's pretty common in this industry. There's a lot of actors that also know a lot about lighting and sound and carpentry. But uh, most of our touring shows are smaller in scale. So, you know, I would say most of our shows that are like, say, under 80 people in the audience, we call that our budget show. And we show up and we do the show without lighting and without a set. You know, it's just a very small show done in the round, just around the tables. But we do have some larger shows. Um, that are still touring shows where, say, they have like 250 people in a big banquet room and they need something prestigious, they need something that looks great. Mm-hmm. Well, then we do something more like our deluxe package, which has a full set, lighting, a spotlight, wireless microphone system, pretty much everything you'd imagine seeing if you went to a dinner theater. So they're going to pay a, a higher premium for that, but they're going to get something that you know nobody else has. Now, moving forward, do you ever have any crazy thoughts of maybe buying your own building and having something more stationary? You know, we always think about that kind of thing. But uh, to be quite honest, um, you know, it is quite a bit of overhead when you gotcha. own a building. And, and you're also limiting yourself a great deal because that now you're, you have to spend a lot of advertising just to get people to come to that one building. Uh, it seems to be a much better situation to partner up with places and um, and come in and out on an event basis. Um, to go to the next step, you'd, you'd need a lot of capital and you'd be taking a lot of risk. Okay. Now, people use these touring uh, theaters, these dinner theaters, for you know a variety of, of reasons. And I think I read on the website that there's actually like the fundraising component to this. How does that work? Sure. Well, uh, you know, like you said, we, we a lot we have our clients come to us for many different reasons and fundraisers. Are a big one. So maybe if there are red hat ladies or if they're a VFW or, or, you know, any of those kind or a company party, they may even have a not for profit and they're trying to raise money for cancer or something. Well, in those kind of cases, they really want to create an event and a, a magnet that everybody really wants to come to. So they have a community of supporters that really support whatever their goal is, whatever their mission. And they want to get everybody together to buy a ticket and maybe do a raffle and all that stuff. So by having us there, they create an event where they can get dinner and have a, a really fun night of entertainment and then maybe win some prizes. And they can effectively sell a high ticket price and generate money as a fundraiser by doing one of these special events. Awesome. That's, that's a very common one. That's a very common uh, reason. What? Okay, so do you have the fundraisers and um – when we come back from break, I want to talk some more about this, uh, the community, with the kids you work with. But besides that, what other services do uh, your touring company provide? You have the fundraisers and um, what well, else? Well, fundraisers are, I mean, actually, believe it or not, when we do a show, mostly it's just the same thing. It's just being okay. used for different reasons. Like for a, a very common thing is a company party, which is oh, why okay. we're so busy in December. Like a lot of companies have get their employees together and they want to have something fun for them to do for Christmas or holiday or whatever. They might have, uh, you know, a big get together, an employee appreciation dinner. And we'll just come and do a show for them for that evening. Fundraisers are another one. Another one is like uh, 55 and older communities have clubhouses. Okay. And in the olden days, 
they used to they used to get on a bus and travel around the different destinations. But as time has gone on, they really prefer the entertainment to come to them. So okay. we do a lot of these uh, shows for seniors. We do some bus tours where buses will come to a couple locations that we have. Uh, so so you know, there's a lot of different ways. That oh, we, that okay. We so that use. not to cut you off. That's I saw on there the bus thing, and I was thinking you were guys doing you guys were doing touring a theater on the bus, but it's actually you, okay. I get it now. The bus. Although we have done that too. Uh, <laughs> But we, we do have – yeah, usually what they'll do is they'll uh, – we might have a group of seniors that might rent a bus and then travel to – we have a couple different locations, one in Smithville by Atlantic City, one up by Cranberry in Cranberry, New Jersey. Uh, so what what they'll do is they'll take a bus, they'll go there, and they'll see the show. So they get a package. Okay. Um, but sometimes if the bus is going a long distance, sometimes the actors will get on the bus and entertain them while they're on the bus traveling oh, to cute. Niagara or something. Oh, that's nice. uh, that's a little rarer, but but we do we do do that. Awesome, awesome, Clyde. We're going to take a quick uh, break, and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Again. I'm hanging out with Clyde Riddlesbrute. He is the founder and owner of Riddlesbrute Touring Theater Company. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little tongue tied. <laughs> oh, it happens all the time. I know. That's a, that's a mouthful there. But um, I want to talk about uh, one of the, the projects that you have for the little ones because I really I like the kids. You know, So I want to talk about the kids for a minute here. And uh, you offer a cultural arts enrichment program for children and teens um, in the community. So how long have you been at that? Well, we've been at that since uh, 2010 is when we first started off. Uh, we uh, started off working at a place called the Strand uh, Theater. And um, we were involved in their School of the Arts program. And uh, we were tasked <clears throat> at the time for getting um, – you know, kids and teens more involved in the productions. So uh, starting there, we slowly grew a program where uh, now we have in multiple locations. Uh, it's kind of like a membership program. So if you're a kid or a teen and you really want to get your kid involved, you can, of course, come into the uh, production through the auditions and get in the show. However, if you become a member, then your kid is pretty much going to automatically get cast and you're going to get some remedial coaching. Um, because one of the things we've noticed is that you get some of these some kids that have stage moms, you know, and their kids <laughs> really great. Uh, but but a lot of people want to be involved in the show. But in in six weeks or maybe seven weeks to mount the show, there often isn't enough time to give that personal you know attention mm-hmm. to just one or two kids that really need some extra work to get up to speed. Um, so so we we have this program to. Give them the extra time, the extra tutoring they need to learn things like how to how to use character, how to create a character, you know, how to, you know, not upstage themselves on stage, how to use volume, how to project their voice, how to do accents, basic things like that, so that when they're up on stage in that show, they're going to glow and be great, and their parents and family is going to have a great time watching them. So have the graduates of your program actually uh, went on to be a part of your touring company or or with anybody? We have had some teenagers that, that you know, started off by being kids and uh, have, as they've gotten older, uh, been involved in, in bigger productions as, as uh, larger parts. Uh, so far, I don't believe any of the kids have gotten old <laughs> enough to go into the tour. <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, it's probably not too far away until that, that does happen. Uh, that used to happen down at my dad's theater, actually. We did have some <laughs> kids that grew up and came back and started working there as, as, as adults. Um, so it is kind of like a community that sticks together. Yeah. And people really, you know, you, you get to know people and um, and stuff like that. But, you know, another major component of our program is is that when we get our kids involved in the production, it's not actually so much about the production or even about theater. The the real lessons there are about confidence building mm-hmm. About learning how to, you know, self-efficate, you know, so that the actors can really uh, explore their creative side and really learn how to become goal-driven individuals, and and that's very important, I believe, in this world because you know people are bombarded with the internet and TV, yes. 
they get so much information, but it seems like kids nowadays have forgotten the ideas of, like, say, critical thinking or even the idea that, hey, I got an idea. How do I make that real? So theater is is really special because it starts off with just people standing there with a with a piece of paper, and then in six weeks it turns into a a fake experience as <laughs> almost as if it's real, mm-hmm. and that people when they learn how to do that can really turn that into lifelong lessons about if I want to start my own business or if I want to really become a doctor or if I really want to do anything. So. You know, they have to learn how to take an idea and, and make it real. So you are responsible for creating the next generation of big personalities then? We're, we're hoping. It's not just about <laughs> big personalities. It's usually with people that have large personalities have them because they're not afraid and they, they, they lack that fear that makes people more demure, you know. So, you know, and, and that's what it is. We want people to have confidence so if they walk into a job interview, they're not going to be a shrinking violet sitting there. They're going to be, yeah, that's right. I'm the best. And if you're there smart, you go. you're going to pick me. <laughs> and, you and you can't gain that unless you're really comfortable with public speaking. Awesome. Now, how does uh, some, a parent uh, enroll their child in one of your classes? Or how do they get in touch with you for that? Sure. Generally, we, we have two different facilities, two different areas where we primarily work in. One is around the Toms River, Lakewood area in New Jersey. And the other one is close to like Laurel Springs, Blackwood, uh, South Jersey. Mm-hmm. And generally what we'll do is we do a large audition. Okay. And a lot of the families will come out and usually we enroll them in the program if they're interested. Um, and, and that's usually how we go. And every time they're involved in one, they usually are looking out for the next production. Okay. So generally they're in spring and fall. Okay. Okay. So, um, so these two locations, where are these two locations at? Well, like I said, one is up around the Lakewood, uh, New Jersey, which is kind of, um, kind of like central Jersey. Okay. Uh, very close to Tom's River, Freehold, uh, that kind of area by the, kind of close to the beach. And then the other area is in further south Jersey. It's, it's, um, in, uh, Blackwood, Laurel Springs, um, kind of area anybody in new jersey will will know those basic know those, areas okay. but if now, they take a look at our facebook page they'll, they'll always see all the information oh okay now i don't have the facebook page so real quick what is the uh the facebook page there give that to you us know what for- if they type in riddles brood r-i-d-d-l-e-s-b as in boy r-o-o-d type in riddles brood you'll see riddles brood touring theater company i guarantee you nobody else has that name <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so <laughs> Now, you know, it's very clear, like I've said, uh, you're located Jersey, kind of that Upper East thing. Uh, but if somebody in, in Vegas is listening and said, you know, hey, I really want to, you know, book you guys. Will you guys go out to Long Range? Oh, Vegas? yeah. We okay. do deal. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. Most of the times we do long range travel like that. Uh, usually they are colleges or, uh, you know, things like that. Um, but but occasionally we do get some long distance one. We've done a show in Florida. One time we did one. You know, Connecticut, which isn't too far, Ohio, uh, North Carolina. So we have done some longer range shows here and there, but they are rarer because, of course, there are travel fees. You know, we need to be able to be put up in a hotel. Okay. Um, but we most certainly do. And, okay. uh, and we, and, and you know what? Especially there's some areas in the Midwest where they don't have access to, you know, New York talent in a way. Cause a lot <laughs> of our actors come out of that, uh, New York City, Philadelphia metropolitan area. And, um, so, so we do sometimes get called to go out in the um, into areas which are more rural that just don't have access to commu- to theater companies in that area. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that New York talent is a very unique talent. I must say that I've I've encountered that on numerous <laughs> occasions. <laughs> now let's do some shameless plugging here. On the website, you have um, different packages that you offer people. So. Um, you know, and I, I noticed like there's the deluxe package and the standard package. So are there differences in audience size? Is that how it's determined? The packages are primarily geared toward how large a production uh, a client needs. So if you say are a Vegas casino and you have a big ballroom uh, that seats 550 people, you're going to need something like the d- deluxe package because it's going to come with lighting. It's going to come with a full stage with architectural lighting. It's going to come with wireless microphones. Everything that you'd expect to have a fun, exciting, prestigious visual wow factor. 
if you are actually going to be on a stage. So if you actually have a stage with a proscenium with its own lighting and a, and a big audience, then you're going to also want something that's maybe even closer to what we would call our main stage uh, productions, which can range between five to ten grand, depending on uh, you know where they are. So it's actually pretty price competitive if you look at other companies uh, to do a large main stage production 500 miles away and, and bring all that equipment there. Uh, you know, it usually costs a lot of money. But for us, it's turnkey because we always run these shows. They're constantly running. So it's so we've had situations where somebody can call up, can you be here next week? And we're like, yes. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but for smaller productions, you know, somebody that's just doing a birthday party, you know, or a sweet 16 or maybe even a wedding reception, and they only have 60 people, we do a lot of those. I would say sub-150 people, that's our standard package and our budget package. That's probably 80% of the shows that we do. Okay. So um, in the New Jersey area or in that New York area, Pennsylvania, when is the next time somebody could catch one of you guys, uh, one of your shows? Sure. Well, you know, take, usually on our Facebook or on our website, you can see our online calendar. I will be honest, not a lot of our shows are, pri- are, um, are open to the public. Uh, not okay. this time of year. Most of the shows we do are private events, so it's just a little okay. harder. However, in the fall, we have a lot more um, public events when restaurants hire us for the general public. Awesome, awesome. So we'll look for you in the fall. So, uh, Clyde, we are at the end of the hour here. I want to make sure people um, get the website uh, where they can connect with you for any of the stuff that we talked to about today. So give us the website once again. Certainly. It's www.riddlesbrood.com. That's R-I-D-D-L-E-S-B-R-O-O-D. And uh, on the website, there you can see the packages. The prices are right there for anybody to see. And all the shows are also there listed as well. Uh, you can also take a look at our Facebook and Twitter. And we also have a YouTube uh, channel. It's Riddles Brood 2. And it has all kinds of videos of the different packages. And you can see the, the different shows. So you can really get a good idea of what you're purchasing. Cool, cool. I have had a wonderful time with Clyde today. I thank you for hanging out with me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Lot. I really appreciate it. <laughs> that is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week. Mm-hmm.